Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. The opponent preview series rolling on here. Ethan Greenberg, EA, breaking down the San Francisco 49ers who the Jets play in week two of the regular season. On today's episode, you're going to hear from the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. We talked with Greg all about the 49ers, their offseason, their Super Bowl run that obviously fell seven minutes short of victory. And EA, let's start with this. The 49ers come to MetLife Stadium in week two for a big, big test for the New York Jets in a tough schedule that involves the NFC West. We've been talking about it for a while now since that schedule was released. The Jets open up in Buffalo against the Bills, a team that many are saying are the divisional favorites, but then your home opener is against a 49ers team that went 13-3 and last year, had a 10-point lead over the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. One of the most complete teams, if not the most complete team in football because barring some Patrick Mahomes magic in the fourth quarter, this team is the defending champion. Now, interesting to watch here early in the season is how does this 49ers team that brings back a lot of familiar faces and has that continuity, how are they going to deal with the Super Bowl hangover? Because it is always difficult for a team that was in position to win a title to come back and get to the top of the mountain again. And we'll talk about the different matchups that are going to be difficult for the Jets and perhaps favor the Jets. But you said it, this 49ers team might be in a good spot compared to some other teams because of the continuity. Their defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, was a head coach candidate across the league. Well, he remains put. That defense is very good. That running game is very good. And this is a team that didn't have a whole lot of shakeup in the offseason, not only with their coaching staff, And, of course, their general manager and head coach remain in place in John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. But not a lot of player turnover either, especially at the starter positions on both offense and defense. The biggest one, perhaps, is the addition of Trent Williams. Yeah, and then from a subtraction standpoint, a lot of people in the National Football League very surprised by the trade of DeForest Buckner to the Colts because – 49ers followers will tell you last season that Buckner was perhaps the 49ers top overall player, but you mentioned Trent Williams. He has that familiarity with Kyle Shanahan. I think he's going to be a tremendous addition for a team that greens. They just physically manhandle people up front and now they're adding another boss man to that offensive line so that's going to set everything up I really like what they've done at the receiver position too because Debo Samuel tough kid from South Carolina contributed immediately for the 49ers then they come back this year and they get a guy who I think has Samuel-like qualities and Brandon Ayuk they can do damage after the catch and defensively they got the big names no Buckner but Nick Bosa can bring it off the edge they gave Eric Armstead an extension of course Richard Sherman still going strong back there in that secondary 
And then, of course, Fred Warner, uh, one of the best little middle linebackers in the NFL. And then Quan Alexander, who missed the majority of last season because of an injury. He returned in the postseason. Well, he, in theory, will be fully healthy entering 2020. And so this is a tough test for the Jets. You know, they the San Francisco 49ers represented the AFC in the Super Bowl, not by coincidence, but by the fact that they went 13 and three. They physically dominated a lot of their opponents. And let's hear from Greg Papa more about this 49ers team and what the Jets can expect from them in week two at MetLife. Let's start with this. This offseason is so weird. All right. We all know that it's all virtual, but given the 49ers have remained pretty much intact from a coaching staff perspective and a player's perspective, how much do you think that'll help them come the start of the regular season? Well, they think the continuity is going to be key. I mean, Kyle and the two offensive coordinators, uh, the two Mikes, Mike and Mike, as we call them, LaFleur and McDaniel. And then you've got Robert Sala as the defensive coordinator and likewise Richard Hightower. They've been with Kyle at various spots, but specifically with the 49ers going into their fourth year. So they think the continuity there will be helpful uh, as far as where they can pick up the learning in these Zoom offseason meetings that they're doing. And then the continuity on the on the team. Obviously, you've got some changes. Brandon Ayuk, the rookie wide receiver from ASU, is probably going to be in the mix to be a starter right away. Debo's a young guy, but he knows the system. And you got some veteran offensive linemen. Even with Joe Staley retiring, you plug in Trent Williams, who I think is the most talented offensive lineman the San Francisco 49ers have ever had. And he knows Kyle well from their days together in Washington. He knows the terminology. And then over on defense, I think it's you know, a lot of the same pieces. So I think they're hopeful that they're going to be able to pick up where they left off and maybe have a slight advantage over teams because of the, the continuity. It's not like they're, they're trying to get a rookie quarterback or if Jimmy was playing his first full year, he's been in the system for a while. And if he stays healthy this year, it'll be a second full year. And you got Fred Warner who calls the defense and has since his rookie year going into his third year. So I think that there, nobody wants to live in this world and you want to be out on the practice field in Santa Clara and actually repping and seeing guys and not Jewish doing it the way we're talking today. But I think because of the world we're living in now, the 49ers feel like they may have a slight advantage over other teams because of the continuity factor. Greg, the NFL is obviously a business. And when you think in terms of the trade, that sent DeForest Buckner to Indianapolis in exchange for a first round pick. Why did the 49ers make that move? And then can you talk about them picking up Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina with that first round pick from Indy? His agent is Joel Siegel, who's the same agent of uh, Khalil Mack of the Raiders. So when they first met with Joel and talked at the combine, I believe it was, about the deal, they, they talked about average annual value, and the first number that Joel dropped on them began with a two and not a one, which means we're looking at him being a $20 million a year player, and they just said, we can't do that. When I first heard of this trade and the 13th overall pick, I immediately thought of Jerry Judy, mm. the wide receiver out of, out of Alabama, who I thought if you're going to lose Emmanuel Sanders, you bring in Jerry Judy. He's the finishing piece. They wound up, they could have taken Jerry Judy. Obviously, they traded back one spot with Tampa to pick at 14, but they had their sights set on Kinlaw. Derek Brown, uh, the huge lineman from Auburn, went much earlier in the draft, but they like Kinlaw a lot. So he's different than Buckner in the fact he's heavier 
He's listed about 325, but he told me right now he weighs about 315. But that's still substantially more than DeForest Buckner. And if Buckner had one issue, teams would would move him a little bit. Ken Law's a bigger player uh, in 315. They don't have a lot of 300-pounders on either side of the ball. So mm-hmm. I think that's what the way, the modern way you do business in the NFL is we can't pay DeForest Buckner $20 million a year. Let's trade him, get a 13th pick. And you look at the salary of what Kinlaw is going to make versus what DeForest Buckner is going to make. Uh, we're talking about $4 million a year versus 21. That was just the economics of the of the game dictating. We can't pay Buck Buckner that much. Let's trade and get a rookie. Now, will he be as good as Buckner? We'll see. You know, Buckner became, you know, in years three and four, a pretty good player for the 49ers. If you're the Jets in week two, how do you go about defeating the 49ers? Where do you attack? You know, you got to stop the running game. There is no doubt. This this team is dominant in two areas, and that is the rush. The pass rush on defense, you got to block Nick Bosa. You got to block D Ford, and D Ford has got to be healthier. You know, uh, his final year in Kansas City, Bob Sutton played him over 1,000 snaps. This past year with the 49ers, he played 232 snaps, 22% of the time. He's got to play more. And if you're going to lose Buckner, can Kinlaw give it to you? So without question, Adam Gase's thought process has got to be to block what I call the, the gold rush. And then on the other side with Greg Williams and the coordinator on defense, you've got to stop the 49ers state-of-the-art running game. And you plug Trent Williams in at left tackle, Joe Staley was a tremendous player. He's a borderline Hall of Famer, one of the best tackles in 49er history. But Trent Williams, in my opinion, is a significant upgrade in the run game, pass protection equal. He's a mauler. He's got great feet, and he's able to you know run that outside stretch running play, the zone running play. So in order to, to control the 49ers, you've got to handle their two rushes, their pass rush on defense and their ability to run the ball, the rush game on offense, and it's state of the yard. It's not just the backs and the way they time up the outside zone. It's how Kyle Shanahan gets Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback involved, George Kittle, the tight end involved, a great inline blocking tight end, great in moving well, and the wide receivers, Ayuk, this young guy from Arizona State, Debo Samuel, uh, they will crunch you. They call it a pin block where they'll come down in motion and kind of a crunch block, and they so you got to you got to. You got to stop the running game and you got to still got to control their passage uh, rush. What is next for 49ers quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo? I, you know, Jimmy was seven minutes and 13 seconds away from winning the Super Bowl. To me, what Jimmy's got to do, and you look back at the Super Bowl, yeah, he missed Emmanuel on the third and 10, the post route. If he hits that, the 49ers take the lead. But Kansas City has two minutes, about two minutes to come back and try to respond, which they may have done. So there's no certainty if you hit that. You win the Super Bowl, but you're obviously in a much better position to do so than overthrowing him, and he overthrew him badly. In that situation, you have to underthrow him or flatten him out and let him go get the ball. You cannot miss long where he just cannot physically get there and miss long so badly. But those are deep shots. Joe Namath, one of my heroes growing up, he didn't hit every deep one to Don Maynard, and occasionally Joe Willie would miss. Uh, So you come back and you, you, you run it back. But earlier in the game, you know, Chris Jones got a little pressure on him and he threw the ball straight up in the air. Brashad Breeland, the corner, intercept, intercepted it. So what Jimmy's got to do, I think he's fine with the splash plays. He almost threw for 4,000 yards. But one statistical, when you go through his line from last year, the interception total was a little high. 
by modern NFL quarterbacks. You know, Joe Willie threw a lot of interceptions, but that's just the way they played back then. Now they don't turn the ball over. And Jimmy would occasionally just not see that, that buzz linebacker, Luke Keekley against Carolina, the playoff game against the, the Minnesota Vikings, Eric Hendricks, just didn't see him. He's got to see him. And also he's got to hold on to the ball. I, the one major critique I have of Jimmy, the interceptions happen. You want to lessen those, obviously. But he had too many fumbles. He fumbled the ball 10 times last year, and he lost five fumbles. And when you look at the game, like the home game against Seattle, the Monday night game when Seattle beat the 49ers at home, the 49ers were ahead in that game and controlling the game. And he had a strip sack. Clowney got him, and they scooped and scored. And he also had one later to start the second half. So Jimmy's fine. It's not that he needs to be better because the splash plays are there. He just needs to be less poor which means you cannot throw the ball to the other team as much, and you have to hold on to the ball with hands at certain times and just take that sack and not fumble the ball. Greg, what's your evaluation of this young receiving core for the 49ers? You mentioned Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Well, Emmanuel Sanders, now a member of the Saints, and Marquise Goodwin, who didn't play a ton last year, I don't believe, now a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. And the third guy there would be Kendrick Bourne. I mean, at the end of the year, they they exclude when they went three wide. The 49ers don't do a lot of three wide 11 personnel because they like Kyle Juszczyk. And I think he's the most versatile fullback in the NFL. So they do a lot of 21, two running backs, one tight end, 22 with two tight ends or 12. So if you're going to do any of those combinations, you're not you're only going to have three wide receivers on the field. When they went three last year, it was Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne was the third guy about midway through the year on. He's very good inside the red zone, uh, led the 49ers and touchdown receptions. Last year, I think he's in the mix. But there's a bunch of young guys uh, that the time is now. And some of it's been injury-related. Some of it has been they just have not performed for whatever reason. Dante Pettis, they traded up uh, to take a couple of years ago with the 44th overall pick, a second-round pick. He's had a couple of flashes. He beat Pittsburgh. Last year in week three, a touchdown catch with 75 seconds to play. But outside of that, he has not been impactful. He had a huge drop in the Seattle loss at home on Monday night uh, football. Trent Taylor is a young receiver. Uh, going back to his rookie year when Jimmy first got here, a very good slot receiver, in and out guy. Uh, Richie James Jr. has been a punt and a kickoff returner. And actually, was very poor at that. And I think Ayuk has a chance to certainly take the punt return job, if not uh, both. And then Jalen Hurd, who actually came in last year with uh, Debo Samuel, they were both rookies. Uh, Debo was a second round pick. Hurd was a third round pick. First preseason game against the Dallas Cowboys. He had two touchdown receptions in that game. And then he had a stress fracture in his back and didn't play uh, the rest of the year and wasn't around a whole lot. I hardly ever saw him because physically he wasn't there. So there, there's going to be a rotation, I think, to be that third guy. Bourne would be the guy right now. Also a young guy, Ayuk and Debo, you know, going into it, just penciling it out. But Ayuk is a rookie. So if he does regress in any way or, you know, doesn't progress is the way to say it, progress uh, as much uh, as, as uh, other rookies like Debo did last year, then I think Debo is going to be the number one guy. Then it's going to be kind of a, a battle among all those young guys uh, to be wide receivers two and three. And as you said, they're young. Without uh, Marquise Goodwin, with Emmanuel Sanders moving on, uh, they are extremely young in the wide receiver core. All teams are built differently in the National Football League. 
But the 49ers went from four and twelve in 2018 to 13 and three in 2019. If you're a Jets fan and you have Joe Douglas in place with Adam Gase, what can you take away from what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have been able to do in San Francisco? Well, first of all, I am a huge Sam Darnold fan. I, I think he has the entire package. I think there's been uh, a lot of circumstances, injury, the mono situation last year that has held him back. But I think he has the full skill set. I watched him closely at USC, and I, I liked him better than any of the quarterbacks coming into that draft, including Josh Allen uh, at Buffalo. So I, I think Darnold's the right guy. And I think very simply – well, what did you guys go six and two the last eight games last yep, year? And that's right. seven and nine. I mean, you go back to Garoppolo. So when they traded for Garoppolo Halloween night of 2018, the 49ers were 0 and 9 to start that year. They were 1 and 10. They beat the New York Giants, you may remember, on uh, a deep ball to Goodwin from CJ Beathard. They were 1 and 10. They get Jimmy Garoppolo in a trade. He doesn't play the first three or four games, he comes in and makes a start. They win their last five games. I thought the, the quarterback is just a functionality of the entire offense. You know, yes, there's great quarterbacks. Namath can elevate you and win you a Super Bowl. He's that skilled. But really, come on, this is not a good football team. How can this guy, who doesn't really know the playbook, come in and flip it? They went from 1-10 to 5-0. I'm oh. <laughs> like, wow, maybe Garoppolo <laughs> is that good. So going into into – the year before last, we're talking to so the 2017 year, I guess, is the year they traded for him. 2018, they had a hard schedule to open the year. You know, they begin the year at Minnesota and that terrific defense in their dome. That's a hard game. Uh, the second week, they beat the Lions. And then Jimmy gets hurt in week three at Arrowhead against Kansas City. And they wind up going 4-12. and 12. Was that legit? I, I don't think so. I, I said going into last year, if the quarterback makes all 16 starts and plays all 16 games, which he did, he was on this field with the exception of seven snaps and one blowout win against Carolina when the backup Nick Mullins came in, I thought they could win 10 games. Now, they they surprised me, and they went 8-0 to start the year, and they went 13-3, and and the three games they lost were right at the end on the last play of the game, essentially. They, 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 they had a chance to win every game. Now, I'm not saying the Jets are going to do that, but I think with some of the pieces they have, starting with the quarterback, Quinnen Williams was another guy. You know, when Bosa came out, I loved Quinnen Williams. I did a bunch of Alabama games his last year there, and he was so dominant. So he's got to be healthy. He's got to be that player at three technique that we thought he was coming into the league. But he's someone for Greg Williams to, to build a defense around. And then you get Mosley back, figure out Jamal Adams. So you got a great defensive player at every level of your defense. And we know, I mean, going into the game at New York week two, that'll be the 49ers first road game. If we start on time and I'm knocking wood here, you got to deal with Greg Williams and all those overload exotic blitzes that he's going to bring, especially on third down. So I think the AFC East is wide open this year. Uh, I think Buffalo going into it on paper uh, is the strongest team, but New England's right there. And I would not, I would not think it's out of the realm that the Jets could flip that seven and nine based on the six and two finish and, you know, get to nine or so wins, nine or 10 and challenge. Now with the extra playoff spot, you're talking about possibly making the playoffs in Darnold's third year. EA, I thought Greg Papa had a lot of great things to say. And let's focus on a couple matchups here that the Jets can either take advantage of or that are 
perhaps difficult for the Jets. And the, the one thing that stands out to me after talking to Greg is just how stout the 49ers are in the trenches. And I know that's something that Joe Douglas is trying to build on both sides of the ball. Totally agree with that. Number one for the Jets is going to be stopping the run. It seemed like anybody they gave the ball to out of that backfield that Jimmy Garoppolo was handing the ball off to was productive. So the Jets, number two in the National Football League against the run last year. I like what Papa said about the three different levels that he thinks that Quinnen Williams can be an elite player in the National Football League. We know that C.J. Mosley, when he's been healthy, has been elite. And Jamal Adams back there in defensive backfield. How are the Jets not only going to contain this run game, but you got to take away George Kittle. Kittle is an X factor. And how are the Jets going to match up with him? Because Kittle can be a matchup nightmare for defenses. So Debo Samuel, we've talked about him before. Last season, he had 57 catches for 802 yards and three touchdowns. And he's a factor on the ground too. He had 159 yards rushing and another three touchdowns. Well, I asked Greg Papa this, and I just want to bring this up again, is the San Francisco 49ers receiving core is so young that if a team like the Jets, who are stout against the run, can stop the 49ers ground attack, I wonder what kind of pressure will be placed on these young receivers to step up. Obviously, Debo Samuel has established himself one year in the league, but Brandon Ayuk, yes, he's a very talented receiver coming out of Arizona State, but not all players make that transition to the NFL seamlessly, especially when you factor in the offseason being exclusively virtual. So I wonder if maybe the Jets' best chance defensively comes with the San Francisco 49ers passing game, and maybe that's how the Jets can stay in a game like this in a very difficult matchup, even though the San Francisco 49ers are traveling across the country. 49ers last year, that's something that jumped out at me too, is that Papa said they were in every game they lost. And if you go back and look at their road slate last year, seven and one on the road. This is the start of a back-to-back New York trip for them because after hosting the Arizona Cardinals in week one, they'll come and face the Jets and that will be followed up a return date at MetLife Stadium against the New York Giants. So this is a team that it has one of those rosters that travels, meaning that the 49ers can play old school football because they're so strong on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Going to be interesting to see on the defensive side of the ball, how they react to the change with no DeForest Buckner and how many snaps Javon Kinlaw gets in there early and just how effective he is. But if the Jets can remain stout against the run and get after Garoppolo, maybe they can force him into some mistakes. On the other side of the ball, Green's, Sam Darnold's going to have some pressure on him, and it's going to be up to the Jets' revamped offensive line to take care of those guys on the edge. Number one, Nick Bosa. Given that this game is in week two, a couple things. One, how do the 49ers react to Greg Williams deploying all these different exotic schemes? Well, for the Jets, on the other hand, 
this is a new look offensive line. And I wonder how quickly they'll be able to gel in time for this game, because this is going to be kind of like a litmus test for the Jets. That front seven of the 49ers, they've played together. They're very good with Nick Bosa on one side and D Ford on the other, and they're very stout in the middle. Well, let me wrap up this podcast by asking you this. Where do you think that the Jets' best option to take advantage of this 49ers defense is? Well, you always want to have balance. So for the Jets, I think it's going to be imperative for them early in the season to get Le'Veon Bell going because that sets up a lot of things with the play-action game. But to beat the 49ers, Sam Darnold's going to have to play mistake-free football but if he is given time to throw and you do have some balance with Le'Veon Bell in the run game, I think the Jets can get after the secondary a little bit. But where teams have struggled against San Francisco is that they haven't provided the protection for their quarterbacks to throw. And then on the other side of the ball, of course, they got to contain that run game, get after Garoppolo, and then make some plays on special teams and you're going to give yourself a chance at victory. So the Jets host the 49ers in the Jets' season opener at MetLife Stadium in week two. And that was another edition of the opponent preview series on the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Next up, EA and I are talking about Jets week three opponent, the Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis Colts.